0: Howdy! Oh, so it's great dog walking here.
1: Yeah,
0: it's pretty.
2: It's really pretty, and this is like I said on the way here. This is the busiest I've ever seen it here. And I we come here every year, and I'm always (laughs) running and walking. Yeah, great.
0: Mm -hmm. I was sitting with this young woman named Bryant. Bryant, B R Y A N T, and this. Boathouse, place with kayaks and canoes down along the Catawba River in Sun City, big development called Sun City, a lot of retirees. And that's where our conversation took place, and Brian, not Bryant, Brian Baltashevitz, who was tasked with trying to make this audio sound good, said, could you have been in a more noisy place? Uh, it, it was beautiful. It was a peaceful place. We got to sit and watch the Catawba River go by, and then the day was not too hot for a change. And Bryant lives in the San Francisco Bay area, so she liked it. But there were golf carts, there were birds, there were planes overhead, there were people yelling at each other, you know, and so just, I beg, your, I beg your love and tolerance, because the conversation is worth it. Um, I'll explain in a moment. Bryant Resch. It's just the most heartbreaking thing in the world, and people try it over
1: and over and over again. This is In Her Words, a podcast from manlisting.com. Featuring one man listening to the stories of real women in their own words. In Her Words, a conversation worth hearing, because every woman deserves to be heard.
0: Hello there, and welcome to In Her Words. I'm Stuart Watson. So I met Bryant Resh at this little party that a past podcast guest and new BFF, Jennifer Johnny Busco. And so, Jennifer Johnny Busco and Bryant, a million years ago, worked um, with and for Tim Freer at the Cajun Queen restaurant. And so, I know Tim, and he did blah, blah, blah. And so, they invited me to this party, it was a small gathering, to work uh, on our intuitive abilities and our empathic abilities. And it's woo-woo, and I'm a skeptic. I'm a crusty old boomer. And I was like, what is this woo-woo stuff? And it was fascinating. It was absolutely fascinating. And so this is, this is a woman, Bryant Resch, who started in the straight-up sciences, in the so-called hard sciences, biology. You know, neuro, neuroscience, and Uh, her train jumped the tracks. (laughs) Like she took a different path to things like yoga and Reiki and mindfulness, although she doesn't like that term. So it's really fascinating and you get to go through the twists and turns and see how she became the accomplished woman she is now. Fun, fun journey going down lots of different paths. Bryant Resch. where were you born?
2: I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. My younger sister and I are three years apart and my brother and I are about four and a half years apart.
0: Mother still with us? Yes. Wonderful. And she's where?
2: She's here in um, Sun City. My mom is just a very warm person. She's just a very caring, almost to a fault. She's very uh, giving. She takes care of everybody around her and makes sure that everybody around her is comfortable and doesn't want for anything. Um,
0: does she take care of her, herself?
2: Well, that's the problem. Yes, she does. Uh, she certainly does. But, but
0: she's last.
2: She's last. It's if her family's around, if her partner is around, if I believe that she puts herself last.
0: What did you learn from your mom from watching her, not from her telling you about being a mom yourself?
2: That it, that uh, being a mother is a thankless job. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you knew you were in for. Uh...
2: I didn't until I kind of looked back and then you know looked back at memories of me and my siblings as, as children and and you know that whole she gives everything to us and we were probably pretty rotten.
0: <laughs> really, or are you? Just I mean, no,
2: telling? but. Um, I'm sure we weren't we're just kids, right so i'm I'm going through it right now with my kids like they just you know it's all about them they don't they don't realize that how much work it is for for me to mother them and for my husband to be a father like they just don't understand
0: um like I was torn, your daughter didn't want you to come over here, Mm-mm. and I was like, I felt like I was intruding oh like, no,
2: not at all she's she's um. Well, she just turned eight, so she's still pretty little. Uh, she's she's going through this phase right now, where she doesn't want me to leave. She's not always like that, and it's I think it's really just because we've been traveling. So this is our fifteenth or sixteenth day away from home, away from her dad. Uh, so I think she's just been she's just really attached to me right now because we've been gone for so
0: long. Did you grow up in Milwaukee?
2: No, we moved and. We moved five times by the time I was
0: 17. Military?
2: No, everybody asks that. Uh, No, my dad was in sales and each promotion came with a new territory. Uh, So he was always- Was he
0: on the road a lot? Yes. Did you get to know him very well?
2: Not really. And I don't think any fault to him. I think generationally, you know, I think his generation was more-
0: Is he a boomer?
2: He's a boomer. Mm-hmm. I'm a boomer. Yeah. He's older. He's about 10 years older than you, though.
0: My, um, well, how old is he? 75. Is he still around? Yes. Somebody told me recently, I was listening to a, a podcast, and the guy quoted a stat. If you don't live in the same town as your parents, when you graduate high school, you have spent 95% of the time... You will spend on this planet with your parents Mm. and so if you don't if you haven't bonded Mm -hmm. by then very hard takes a lot of intention interesting
2: yeah you know what's funny about that is that my dad and i actually did end up bonding very
0: um like later in life
2: intensely i believe uh later in life but when I was in college because what happened was I graduated from high school here in North Carolina and I had plans to go to CPCC for college.
0: To study? To
2: study psychology. Huh. So my, my, my plan was to go to community college for two years and then go to UNCC for the final two years to graduate. Smart. So what happened was my dad announced we had another move and i said no i'm not moving i'm going to stay here in charlotte and do my plan i'll live with my best friend i'll go to cpcc uh and he was my parents just i guess weren't okay they didn't didn't sit well with them that they would leave me behind and uh they were moving to new jersey um they bribed me with a horse (laughs) because <laughs> we moved to a beautiful house in New Jersey with a barn and lots of uh, room to ride so and pool.
0: So much for psychology. Right. I've so, got a horse.
2: And I grew up riding horses. And I was like, oh, I can have my own horse. So I ended up moving to New Jersey and going to community college in New Jersey. Yeah. Uh, and I had the horse. And um, my dad and I bonded then. Because I got it was just... My sister and I and my parents, my brother's off at of college and...
0: So you got some one-on-one time. Mm-hmm, you got some my dad. dad time.
2: Yeah, and I, maybe, it, maybe he wasn't traveling as much, or maybe I was just in a more mature to want to actually bond. Uh, but I remember it being a really special time in our lives because it was the four of us and this beautiful... Who knew New Jersey was so beautiful? I, you know, this beautiful house in the middle of the country in New Jersey and... Uh,
0: so I gotta ask you this, as the golf cart passes. Um, how old were you when your parents divorced?
2: I was thirty. Oh, been, so this was. Yep.
0: They were still together. They
2: were still together. I uh, my parents announced they were splitting a month after my wedding.
0: Did that shock you? It
2: shocked me to the core. It was.
0: They waited till after your wedding.
2: My dad, this was all initiated by my dad. He, he waited until after my wedding to tell my mom he was leaving.
0: So let me back up to something I should have asked. What did you understand about your dad as a person, not as a dad?
2: I think it was more of an understanding for him. It wasn't for me. He does not like children. He does not like young children. Uh, (laughs) A
0: lot of us don't.
2: (laughs) So much so that...
0: They're kind of unlikable. They are a
2: little... Yes. Yes. Uh, So I... From what I remember, he just didn't... We were a nuisance... Not necessarily a nuisance. We were more just inconvenient and loud and um, unpredictable and... I mean this is this is who my father is. So he would he would stuff us in the car to go on a family road trip and he would put us all three my brother, my sister and I and my mom and my dad and we'd drive.
0: In what vehicle? So at
2: first it was a station wagon, remember like um
0: Was there a way back?
2: There was a way back. So usually my sister a third and I uh uh-huh, so my sister A lot of people I, don't know what that is. Oh now. the way back. Totally. Yes. Yeah. And
0: you would go to what kind of a place?
2: So I think the first time we did that in the station wagon was we went to Maine from oh, cool. Chicago, from the Chicago area.
0: That's a bit of a haul.
2: But we weren't allowed to make any noise. <laughs> we weren't allowed to eat or drink in the car. And then he would never, if we had to go to the bathroom, he ah. wouldn't stop. He's so we were miserable. No, he would eventually stop. But not when we needed, to. like children need to go Anybody to the bathroom. Anybody have an accident? I don't remember. Probably. Anybody
0: throw up? You can throw up remember. as long as you're quiet. Yeah. Just I don't make know. no sound.
2: Yeah, it was awful. It was, and my husband now to this day, so this is a funny story. So, so okay, so that was one of two big ones that, that I remember with my dad. The second one was he stuffed my, my brother's already off in college. He stuffed my sister and I in the back of a Mustang convertible and we drove from the Chicago area to Portland.
0: Was the top down? The
2: top was down. My sister and I are teenage girls with lots of hair that's like just it was very
0: fun for him fun you don't for get as him. much breeze in that
2: front seat. it was a lot of cause, and that's when he introduced us he's a big musical man uh, so am I he taught me how to play guitar when I was 12 uh, so but that's when he introduced us so we've listened to the Traveling Wilburys the entire time from Chicago to Portland
0: but did you like
2: it I love the Traveling Wilburys not so much the car ride
0: and some people it would have been <laughs> I, if I ever hear another note of the Traveling Wilburys it,
2: it does get annoying uh, but
0: to this day, do you have some traveling well berries that you? I do, and it always it is tr- it like, triggers. It's like a time machine.
2: Yeah, that and Warren Zeman was a big one for him and I. Oh,
0: which which one?
2: Well, so he always used to joke because I was kind of a rebellious teenager. He always used to joke that um, that he'd eventually one day get a phone call asking him to send
0: lawyers, guns, and money <laughs> <laughs> to get me out of this. Yes. The shit has hit yep. the fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> God, I love me some Warren Zebon. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah. And, of course, Werewolves of London. That's everyone's favorite. But yeah. lawyer, Lawyer's Guns and Money is the one that, that we joked, or he joked around about, I'm going to have to send Lawyer's Guns and Money one day. Did he? No, he never did. Never. I was, I was a good kid. I was just a little rebellious. Why do you
0: think? I mean, he was exaggerating. It was a...
2: He was exact because um, he always said I was the most difficult. But I was. You know, I had a big voice and opinions and... Um, I just had a rebellious streak.
0: Do you still play guitar?
2: I do. Not as often as I would like to.
0: You do your own stuff? Or...
2: I do. I, I was in a band when I was in uh, school at UNCC.
0: Kind of music?
2: It was very singer songwriter uh, There was a trumpet. We had a trumpet player, so a little bit of a bluesy.
0: What do you write songs about?
2: I don't anymore.
0: But what did you?
2: Um, teenage angst. Well, they're all different variations yeah. of that
0: too. What was it?
2: So one of them was about um, an ex-boyfriend. Another one, I was about. Um, I tried to be a big beatnik at one point, so I read a bunch of, um, you know, like Tom Robbins and. Um,
0: this ex, did he leave you, or did you leave him? I left him. He read? was,
2: a, yeah. That usually was because the case. I always left. I was the, always the one to leave.
0: You pre-abandoned them. I did before they could leave. Yeah. Well, no, you can't fire me. I quit.
2: <laughs> yes. That was usually the case. It was it, not very often that, that someone else left me.
0: And in this case it was because
2: we were young and I just, he was very much in love with me. Wanting to get married. I mean, I think I was like 18, 19, 20. Why
0: was this a problem?
2: I just wasn't ready i didn't want to he was in a band, a band that traveled so he would be gone a lot ah. uh, he was a drummer
0: you, you um, didn't want to tour.
2: i just was too young like that wasn't my parents taught me go to college get a degree get a good job you know his, that was his life path he wasn't did in you school. go to college
0: and get a degree and it get a, and get a good job no
2: the job part never came
0: what <laughs> degree did you get
2: uh so i have a bachelor of science in psychology and then Congratulations. I, thank you. And then I returned to UNCC about a year or two later to work on a second degree in biology.
0: Why biology?
2: Because when I was in my bachelor, when I was in my psychology degree, I realized that I loved the biology part of it. So the uh, I did my senior seminar paper on psychoneuroimmunology.
0: Because if you say psychology, people think you're saying, how do you feel about your mother? Right. Instead of how does the amygdala work? Right.
2: Right. And you learn all that. If you go the BS route, if you yes. if you went the BA route, you didn't learn that part of the psychology.
0: And so you and I are going to get into this. <laughs> I've gotten absolutely fascinated because you know, and I know that there is a switches and levers that there's a biomechanics to Mm -hmm. it but then there's also all the chemistry and all the experience and then there's the Mm woo-woo that we don't understand Mm -hmm. and we'll either deny it even exists Mm -hmm. or we'll say we'll lean in Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you're a person who leaned in yes
2: I, yes, and that is why I do what I do now. Because, Which is? Uh, so I am a Reiki master, and I am a yoga teacher, and uh, just a spiritual lover of the woo-woo.
0: <laughs> you did not just lean in. You <laughs> dove in, Bryant. You dove in. I did.
2: In. I did. Yeah. Now,
0: what? tell me a story about what led to that. Why are you... Why do you not have a bunch of letters after your name and you're sitting in an office and people come in fifty minutes at a time and you charge them a couple of hundred bucks?
2: I do have many letters at, let me not let me rephrase that. I do have many certifications, many, many certifications. But you
0: know what I mean? Yes, How come you're not a therapist? Um, so
2: I kind of I kind of called b s on psychology while I was working on my bachelor degree. In what way? For me, it was really difficult to understand because it didn't have a definite, a definitive answer, which is why the biology part to me was so fascinating. I needed to know to understand the why. I, I didn't, I couldn't, I just remember taking these like multiple choice questions in my psychology degree and thinking, well, all of these could be correct. Like all of these answers could be correct because psychology is so, uh, I mean, opinion-based, but also theoretically based at the same time. You, you understand? Like, it's hard for me to explain. Like, yeah, there's so many different theories. if you come from a
0: certain school of thought, yes. then to a man with a hammer, everything's a nail. Yes. So every fact pattern is going to fit within the story. So if you think it's all about my penis, then <laughs> everything's going to be about my penis. Exactly,
2: exactly. So that, for me, was really hard to understand, for me to think in so many different theoretical ways. uh, I wanted more of the science. I wanted more of the, tell me the brain chemistry, tell me the biological functions, uh, to explain why the brain is working this way. So that is why I never... Because to be a successful psychologist or a therapist or even uh, go on to be a psychiatrist, you need... So many more hours of school. You need thousands and thousands of all hours of intern unpaid internships and hours in their unpaid things that I just I didn't have the means
0: to do. Well, but you could have I could have. If you had the big why. Yes. But you could already see down the road and say, I've got to be a true believer mm-hmm. to move heaven and earth for years and years and years and tens and hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of dollars of like student debt, mm-hmm. et cetera, to get that magical PhD. Yes. And you were like, but then if you get there and you don't really believe a thousand percent in this mm-hmm. anyway, then you're just setting yourself up for a mountain of student debt yes. for a practice you don't want to do. Exactly. Welcome to law school. Exactly.
2: I do know some lawyers who did that as well that ended up not practicing law, but went through all of that.
0: So what did you do? You got this advanced biology work. And then where where did you, where did we lose you? I, where did I science lose you, Brian? Right? That's
2: exactly where science lost me. Uh, so I was working on my biology degree at UNCC. And then I was working at the Cajun Queen at the time, with Tim Freer and Jennifer Klesko, two of my <laughs> good friends, two of my buddies. Um, and I met my husband at the Double Door one night, you and
0: looked across the room. Your eyes met.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was actually kind of like that. It was like we met, and then we had a, you know, couple drinks together, and watched some good music, and then.
0: And it clicked. It clicked. And it stuck. And it stuck. Because, and that's been how many years?
2: So we've been married for 16 years.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. And, and you've together. survived with these kids.
2: Barely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been, it's been—it's you know, I mean, as you know, I'm sure, marriage is not easy. And no one told me that when Amen. I got married. No one said it was going to be hard work or it was going to be...
0: As hard as parenting.
2: As hard, yes. Uh, So yes, so here we are 16 years later, and I met my husband back then, and um, my plan with this whole biology-psychology mix was to become a um, nurse practitioner Hmm. so that I could combine. So I already had the undergraduate degree I needed to do the fast track to go to the nurse practitioner program.
0: What kind of practice?
2: I didn't know yet. I didn't know what kind. I just knew that I wanted to be in the healthcare field and... I didn't want to. I wanted to be like a doctor. I wanted to be able to prescribe medicine and have my own practice, which an NP can do. It wasn't necessarily about the the pushing drugs or the prescribing medicine, which I also did not agree with. It was the it was it, it was an egotistical thing. It was a I have this degree that allows me to do this. Uh, it you wasn't. I wanted the title, wanted the the title without or... without having to go into med school. Ah. Uh. It was a total ego thing.
0: Yeah. But I mean, some drugs do wonders.
2: They do. Um, yes.
0: Talk to bipolar yes. people. Mm-hmm. Schizophrenic yes. people too.
2: Yep, they do. Um, I mean, I agree with that. I also agree that there are other avenues.
0: Yeah, Where were we?
2: Uh, not about not pushing, pushing the drugs. drugs. It was more about the ego. That my, my ego right. saying I, I have achieved this in life. I can. I'm just as successful as a doctor
0: that mm. didn't go through med school. You could wear a white coat. Yes. Get a good parking spot. Exactly. Be important. And you could right. say my patient this, right? And my patient that. Right. right. And so, how did you jump off of that? What made you abandon your ego? <sighs>
2: So I, it actually wasn't. It was, um, so many things led to, to me going off that path. So I'll make it short, but it was, so I met my husband Charlotte. I had plans to move to Manhattan because my brother and sister both lived there. I uh, know.
0: Go now, ahead. That's
2: by now fine. we're in, we're, um, you know, early twenties. And so I had plans to move to Manhattan to do my NP, to do my nurse practitioner yeah. schooling there. And then I met my now husband, and I told him my plan to move to New York, and he said, "Wait a minute, I just met you. I think there's something here. Uh, I don't think I could survive in my career in New York. What would you think about moving to my hometown of Seattle?"
0: Wow. So
2: he's he was a, as you learned the other night, he's um, his entire career he's been in in news, but specifically TV. So. TV, uh, TV sports. So he's been in TV sports his entire. So not real news. Not news. He would. He, well, so this is the thing. I would say
0: this to his face. I would. No, no, no. He, he would agree. It.
2: He would agree. So he. So the one time he was hey, in news. Let me tell
0: you something. News isn't real news. So. I
2: know. Well, the one time he was in news was here in Charlotte. That's yeah. the only time he was in actual news. Yeah. So he's been in TV sports
0: his entire career. Yeah. So he was There's like plenty of real news in sports. I'm just giving you a hard time.
2: I mean, news, TV sports is fun.
0: It is fun. It's a blast, it especially it in is. San Francisco, Seattle. I know.
2: We were just uh, courtside at one of the Warriors games in January. Oh my God. We didn't get to watch the whole game courtside, but we we got to watch them warm up courtside. My kids were in heaven. It oh, my so, God. Yeah.
0: And Steph Curry's a god Oh, yeah, here. totally. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And he's a really good guy.
0: So, in other words, you're telling me you got to be woo-woo because you, you left-coasted it. How did you learn to tap in for the power and the mystery?
2: So, let's see. So, yeah, so after Seattle, we moved to San Francisco and... Started applying for master's programs for the NP program at uh, San Francisco State, all the all the California places, and then we got married, and then months later my parents split. Mm. As I was studying for the GRE mm. to get my master's, and then I just couldn't focus. I mean, your parents split when you're thirty, right after you get married. It's just, your whole world turns upside down, and it was just a really sad time in my life very confusing
0: How did your dad articulate his reasons?
2: They were never meant to be together and we knew like we always kind of knew that there was no love in the relationship I think what he was doing was he was waiting for all of us kids to get out of the house Hmm. so that uh, it would be easier he thought it would be easier on everyone if we were no longer living in well, house. Thoughtful. Well, not really, because we grew up in a household that had no love.
0: Hmm. I mean, you wished he did just pull the plug a lot earlier.
2: I don't think either way would have been easy, but I believe after you know knowing people and talking to people whose parents did split up when they were younger, you know, one of my best friends back in in San Francisco, she's told me many times that. It was so amazing because she got to watch both of her parents fall in love again as a, as a child. So she witnessed her each her mom and her dad falling in love with somebody else and then she had four parents. So, you know, stories like that make me wonder if if, if I were to have grown up in a house that had just had a lot of love and a lot of caring and hand-holding and hugging, which we had none of, um, that maybe I would have a different perspective on what marriage is and what family dynamics are.
0: And yet your marriage has been successful.
2: (laughs) Yes. I mean, successful in that we're still together. I think that there is a lot that we could have done differently to communicate and be more loving towards each other.
0: But it's not a place without love. True. And I'm getting a sense that this led to the derailing of the traditional path you left the path that you'd been on because this was so like unsettling I
2: did yes so I left so then I just I pretty much gave up on that path of going to get my master's degree in nursing and I think a lot of it too had to do with, you know, I was just kind of lost after my parents split and I just, I was, went back to the restaurant business. So I was bartending again and, you know, just trying to,
0: so you just had a job.
2: Yeah. So I had, a, yeah, I just not had a, a job. career. My, I didn't, I had a job, not a career. My husband had a big career in TV, so he was, you know, TV sports, though he was working nights and weekends. So, um, yeah, so we did that for a couple of years and then I, uh, at one point in my life was like, you know, I probably should try to end a career. And then I had this random year and a half at Bank of America. And then while I was working with them, I got pregnant with my first, with our with our son. And uh,
0: and your reaction to that was?
2: I'd wanted to. We were ready. We were Neat. ready. Yeah. So we, you were happy. Yes. Very happy. Also very happy that he was a boy. I always wanted an, the, my first to be a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were just over the moon, and then we had him, and then he—I <laughs> joke about it, and uh, and only people that know my son when he was a baby understand like how traumatic he was as a baby and a child. And I, we—he t- knows this too now, and is like, doesn't understand. Well, mom, what, how, are you sure? Like, how was I that way? He cried twenty-four-seven.
0: Yeah.
2: Didn't sleep. Yeah. He threw up everything he ate. Colicky. He just miserable he, for four and a half years. They say crazy.
0: those kids are really smart.
2: He's very smart yeah. and highly intuitive. Yes. He's highly, highly intuitive. He feels every emotion of everybody around him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of got me off my path. of, of it. So I end up not going back to work at Bank of America just uh, to be full time mom with, with my very difficult baby. Yeah. Uh, and then I ended up in a really cool kind of career path for six years while my kids were little. I was the uh, director of e-commerce for a, an organic baby boutique, love it. was the perfect timing I had young kids. I got a really good discount.
0: There's San Francisco.
2: <laughs> I learned, but that's okay. So this is you got actually, the e-commerce
0: and the organic right. and the babies. And, so
2: this is, a, this actually is a very big segue into my field. Now I learned all about organic and natural products and why we should be putting this in and on our body rather than the traditional cotton and, um, you know, apples grown in the pesticides and what have you. So I started getting into that whole world and learning about all of that, which was great. Uh, I have such a long story and I forget like what, how, like all these steps that brought me to where I am now, so, yeah, so I did that for six years. In between there somewhere, I struggled with secondary infertility, which is what a lot of people don't know exists. Yeah, so we struggled <clears throat> for years to try to have a second child. And um,
0: Did you have miscarriages or you never?
2: Yes, we tried medical intervention. So the second time we, we had intervention, we were successful, but then I lost it. Mm. And uh, it was just a really dark time in, in my life very difficult time for anyone who's gone through fertility they will know you are, have so many drugs so many hormones in your body that are not supposed to be there that I mean it actually made me suicidal I was in a horrible horrible place trying to get pregnant and it was awful and I wouldn't I would never I personally would never try it again but I know so many people who struggle it's just the most heartbreaking thing the world and people try it over and over and over again and I feel for them I just it was the most difficult time of my life going through that so I needed a break so I we went to New York to go visit my sister and we took the kids to go see Aladdin on Broadway and I remember being I think we were like at a crosswalk or stopwalk and we were in the car and i saw this young mother with her son on the corner in manhattan just holding hands and they looked so happy and i like something clicked i'm like i'm good i'm okay like i'm okay i've got this i've got a healthy child like, i don't need another one and it was just this click in my head uh and then six months later i was pregnant <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you accepted
2: i did but i also had help accepting too so the so with this miscarriage and the, the fertility, I knew I knew that after that had happened, I needed some sort of psychological help. But you know, coming from the me calling BS on my BS in psychology, um, I knew I, I couldn't go see a therapist. I needed something different, and I'd already been in the spiritual world. I've been practicing yoga. You know, i had been in the yoga studio my entire pregnancy, um, so I was already introduced to that world. And so I I Googled. Energy healer San Francisco, and the first name that popped up, who uh, was a Reiki healer. And so I went to go see her for every week for about a month, maybe about six weeks. And she introduced me to this whole energy healing field and did a lot of work with me and, um, you know, really got me into a really peaceful place. You know, in this, in this field, we don't say, like, she did this for me or she helped me. Or, or rather, she did this for me. She actually guided me to realize that I had the power, the potential to do it myself. So that's how the energy healing world works It's just the manifestations and knowing that the movement of energy that you're given by these healers really is just there to, to realign your own energy. So I worked with her for, for a while and then, um, so she definitely shifted things within me that opened up a lot of things in me as well. And that's when I was standing in or sitting in the car watching that woman in the street corner in, in Manhattan with her young son. And it, the click was just like, yep, I'm, we're all good. It is life is good. I believe in divine timing and i believe that uh source god creator whatever it is that you want to call it was what turned my gaze to that corner at that time it was it was necessary for me to see that scene that scenario play out with the, the young mother and her young son because she was me she was me that was me with my son standing on that street corner and happy and good and just good. If I would have looked any other direction at that moment, I wouldn't have seen that. And I wouldn't have had that click inside me that said, I don't need another child to be happy.
1: Hi, I'm Dr. Kim, the parentologist. As a wife, mom, therapist, and all around juggler like most of you, I lead a hectic life. And sometimes that means indulging in foods on the go that my stomach doesn't always agree with. Thankfully, Pepto Bismol provides me fast and effective relief for all kinds of upset stomachs. Having a little too many guilty pleasures at a family barbecue or birthday celebration may lead to indigestion or heartburn. So I always keep Pepto on hand to get fast relief when I need it the most. Pepto Bismol, use as directed and keep out of reach of children.
0: There's so many stimulus coming in the golf cart coming up the path, the crickets in the background, the the water going past out here on the Catawba River, that it's too much. Mm -hmm. It's too, too much. I have to look in your eyes and listen to what you're saying. And so I have to focus attention because otherwise it's just too much. Mm -hmm. There's too much happening.
2: And we teach a lot of that in yoga and energy healing. We teach a lot of that. You know, Mindfulness is such a mainstream word right now that I I try to find other words for it.
0: Um, What's a good synonym?
2: presence
0: ah being in the moment just
2: presence just being present and i teach a lot of non reaction so not reacting to a situation we could have very easily been annoyed that that golf cart was coming by right now because it was noisy and interrupting our conversation but we just didn't react to it we chose not to react to that interruption
0: yeah that makes sense yeah and also you know what are you going to do?
2: Right, exactly.
0: It's just going to take us out of the moment.
2: Exactly. So, presence is a good word.
0: And you can practice. It's a skill set. You it's can...
2: a skill set. It definitely takes. It takes some practice. It takes a certain mindset because I, all of us—I mean, me included—everybody can get out of that and just be like, "I can't handle this." Like this, you know. Especially us parents you know people with children or small children or even i've heard too from people with you know dogs you know dog moms or i i do not have dogs but uh you know it's it's easy to get out of that calmness and really just react to a situation because it's frustrating. So give me
0: give me a freebie what's an exercise give me a freebie
2: there's a way that you can visualize just sitting in the seat of your consciousness of just being the observer in the world around you. So what I just do is I visualize a teeny tiny little me yeah. sitting in a very comfortable chair. Yeah. And I take her and I put her right in between my eyes. Yeah. And then I, it's almost like an elevator that goes backwards. And I put her right in the middle of my head. And then my scenery could be different for anyone. It's just this beautiful ocean, sky, water moving, sand. And I just sit there and I just observe, I just observe from that little space and we call it the seat of intuition it's your third eye so it's your uh in yoga spiritual world it's your your intuitive person and you just picture yourself sitting there relaxing not reacting to anything just soaking it all in that's a big one for me
0: what fascinates me is the human capacity to focus intent and Then in the external world, blood pressure, heart rate, respiration, you see actual scientific measurable, quote-unquote, objective, which just means everyone can agree on them, metrics as the result of the most extreme subjective individualistic practice. It's trippy. It is so trippy.
2: I see it every single day in my line of work. And I actually, going back to my psychology degree, I did a big paper my senior year on biofeedback therapy. Mm. Right, That's the same thing. It's convincing your mind that what is true is true. So if you believe that your blood pressure is at a normal level, level, Mm -hmm. it will become at a normal level. The trick to it, though, and I've learned this this throughout the years, the trick to it, though, is you can't fake yourself. You can't lie to yourself. You actually have to believe it to be true for your body to adjust. It's, It's how people attract money. It's how people attract a partner. It's how people attract things. They believe in their core, in their being. I am going to find this. I am going to be this or I am this.
0: If you can go back to a time in which you exhibited extreme strength, like um, you, uh, I can't even fathom like when you gave birth. Okay, mm-hmm. like I would be like, no, <laughs> <laughs> just like I'm, I'm not doing this, you know, I want my epidural now, I, you know, give me the gas i'm not down for this mm-hmm. you guys start cutting mm-hmm. um if you but if you can look back and say well i've been through worse than this if i did that mm-hmm. then i can deal with this mm-hmm. like the depression suicidal loaded up with drugs and all that if i can been through that what are we doing here yeah. getting upset about it's silly agreed and it's, so of course i can do it
2: yeah agreed and also it's it's endurance is such a it's such a funny thing sometimes too because endurance can mean you know sitting out and like for me sitting outside in humidity is so foreign to me cuz i've been gone for so long you know but i've been enduring it for the last 2 weeks because i'm here you know it could annoy me to sit like it could be something as trivial and minute as that or it can be someone who's actually just really, really suffering from like addiction or um, chronic pain. I, do, I, I have a lot of clients that have chronic, chronic pain, like debilitating pain. Um, you know, yeah. that's,
0: That is a super interesting one because you can do a measurement of heartbeat respiration, blood pressure, there is no MRI for pain. Mm-mm. You can't see it. Mm-mm. It is completely subjective. Mm-hmm. And so when someone says they have it, I believe you. Mm-hmm. But just because, you know, this, this, and this nerve are severed in one person, and the exact same nerves are severed in the second person, they will have two complete even if they're identical twins, mm-hmm. they'll have separate levels of pain. Fascinating. And I'm like, what?
2: I mean, but also, like, do you believe that maybe that is just some form? Because everybody's perception on things are different. So something that is severely painful for one person is perceived that way. And then for the other person, they just, they're like, oh, well, it is what it is
0: the most revolutionary thing for me was when I was open to the notion that I am choosing my perception, that I am owning it, that, and I'm, I'm still not there. I may only be 3% there, but that, um, Uh, If I step on a nail, I will call it an accident. There is a mentality that says, no, no, at some level, you chose to step on a nail because you wanted to experience whatever the lesson is of you stepping on a nail. That is super true. I believe that. I that's that
2: fully like you needed that experience for some other purpose you needed the experience of stepping on the nail so that that situation maybe it's distracted you from walking into a crosswalk and being hit by a car i had a, a group healing session with one of um my healers who is actually jennifer's teacher um and it was all about it was all about that it was all about At some point, you telling the story over and over and over again, it brings you back to that stressor. So it brings you back to that stressor, back to that moment. Nobody needs to know that story. Tell that story once, twice, maybe, and then just be done with it. There's no need to keep telling that story.
0: They're not gonna get, they won't get my lesson.
2: No, they won't. It's like me talking about my jellyfish sting, right? Like, I feel like I have to keep explaining why there's my leg's all gashed up. I got stung by a jellyfish. I jelly. didn't even notice. You didn't notice the other night? Oh, my gosh.
0: No. I should have.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: But, I'm not right. looking at your legs. I don't know <laughs> if I should get a reward or not.
2: <laughs> I, I, but that's my ego. That's my self-consciousness. Like, walking around the world right now with gashes all over my leg from a jellyfish that just happened to be in the water when I was in the water.
0: So... How do you help? Do you deal one-on-one with people or strictly in classes? Both.
2: So I do, uh, I prefer one-on-one sessions. I prefer one-on-one Reiki sessions. Uh, But I do... Because? It's just more personalized. It's more... um, I can really get to the root of it and kind of dig that all up and, and unpack that and start to heal the specifics. I do group classes where I teach a restorative yoga class at the same time that I'm giving Reiki. So there'll be like 15 people in the room and I won't have that one-on-one dialect with them beforehand to see what their ailments are or what it is that they want to work on. Mm. It's just me reading the room and, you know, generalizing. So the one-on-one is where the real magic happens. And in my experience is where it happened with my healers. So the one-on-one is the powerful, it's basically you know, kind of like you sit down with your therapist and you talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about and unpack and and bring to the surface. Well, we do that for a good 20, 30 minutes before I even get them on the table and do the energy work with them.
0: Um, How do you know when, who to go to? How do you know who's for real and who's a poser?
2: (laughs) most of my my clientele is word of mouth, so it's it's someone has come to me, I've helped someone in some way, they've gone to their friend, they've said, "Wow." Um, I Let's
0: say you move to a strange city, mm-hmm. how would you go about? Doing? Which
2: I did recently, moved to the suburbs of San Francisco, uh, because I'm in the yoga community, my studio promotes me, so I am doing a Reiki and restorative workshop next month there
0: and where do you go to study this and to get any type of sort of certification
2: i have this wonderful teacher in marin county who uh her name is jennifer she and i it's funny two of my good friends are jennifer um she and i actually ended up doing our 200-hour yoga teacher training together that's Mm. how i met her she's been a, a reiki healer in the bay area for i want to say almost 20 years now She's a beautiful being, she's a beautiful person. Uh, so I met her as we were both studying to become yoga teachers. And then she started offering her Reiki classes at the studio where we took our training. So I took my level one, my level two with her. So you, there's three levels to Reiki. There's level one, there's level two, and there's a master's. And so I took my level one and two with her five or six years ago. And then I just completed my master's with her this past January. So.
0: Does that give you, does someone give you a, like a certification and then you're able to tell people kind of like coaching mm-hmm. or anything else?
2: Yes, I have many, many things I could hang on receipts. my wall. you
0: have certificates that right. you can frame.
2: Going, yes, going back to your question at the very beginning, why don't I have all these letters after my name? I don't have all those letters but I do have all those, those certificates. I have probably 7 or 8 other certificates that I have been certified to do such as so my like Reiki 1 2 Masters and then I have a um, certified integrative health coach certification. I have a infant yoga certification. Hmm. A teenage yoga. yoga certification. <laughs> I have my child yoga certification. My two hundred hours. So I have so many certifications. I love to learn. So I, I, I don't. I can't put any of those. You love letters. to learn,
0: or you're addicted to certificates. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, no, I'm not addicted to certificates because they're just shoved in a folder in like my filing cabinet.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think it's the It's the it's for sure the knowledge. And just yeah. see the growth that you get from this line of work. I know so many people who'd get their, you know, yoga teacher certification and their Reiki sort certif- they have no desire to practice it or to teach it. They just want that knowledge. They want that experience of, of being in that world. I was in a class with, I think it was 30 other people for my 200 hours. And I was one of maybe like two who went on to teach.
0: Yeah. So where are you going now? Where are you headed? What's the new class?
2: So I've been working with a... This actually does get you some letters at the end of the name. (laughs) I've been working with a hypnotist for the past couple years. And she's remote. She's in L.A. So we get on the phone and we do a Zoom call. Uh, I was seeing her every other week for a while and kind of because it's summer I haven't seen her in a while. Working
0: on what with her?
2: So I'm not learning from her. She's my she's one of my healers. Um, it, just any energy movement. It's another form of of you know that whole psychological. It's all it's all in that family. So she she doesn't like my specialty is Reiki. Hers is hypnotists hypnotizing. So you think of like hypnotizing as in like you're under and they'll make you do funny things while you're under. She's not like that. It's more of a So we do like the unpacking, like talk therapy, as some would say, for like 20, 30 minutes. And then she'll put me in a relaxed state. She calls it, you know, the the hypnosis. For me, it's more of a meditation because she'll just get me nice and comfortable. And then she'll walk me through this guided meditation. And she does lots of like finger snappings and like counting. And she has all these scripts that she works with, but she'll put in those keywords that we've talked about kind of drive it into some of my sub subconscious mind so like we'll work on anything from financial abundance to um we work on you know sometimes we get really bad migraines so we'll work on you know calming the migraines and uh it's really fascinating how she works and then the best part about it is she records the sessions and then i can go back and listen to them anytime and do that hypnosis all over again on my own she's very powerful so my next degree certification I would love for that to be the hypnosis and there's a school in LA that she went to that I'm looking into it's um doable but it's very expensive so we'll, we'll manifest that happening at some point in my life
0: you could also probably charge more yes for you sure. can probably get your money back yes, by charging absolutely. more for that particular kind of skill. Mm -hmm. Wow. I could sit here all afternoon. Um, If we got struck by lightning today and the only thing that survived was this piece of digital audio, what is your legacy?
2: I think with most parents, my legacy is my kids and teaching my kids to be kind. (laughs)
0: What does kindness look like?
2: Being empathetic and conscious that there are, that we're all individual beings that coming from individual situations and paths and paths, and that we just need to be kind and accept where they're coming from. You know, it's like, check out girl that's mean to you or rude you know, you know you never know what happened to her before she walked in that door she could have been beaten by her spouse you know things like that that we just don't look when someone's mean to us and our reaction is to just fight back more, more, some people some people go home and cry
0: in the culture right now there's people who are terribly afraid yes and they're lashing out yes. with violence yes violent words getting guns, yes. and um, it's very difficult to have compassion towards someone who is violent Yes. and to see the divinity within them.
2: Yes, and there's also a lot of very wounded people right now who have scars and abuse, and think addictions, things in their past that also make them afraid.
0: And so we need your kids. This planet needs your kids. Yes.
2: This planet needs people like myself, Jennifer, healers that are, are looking not at necessarily the quick fix Western society, give them some drugs, which Western medicine is very, very helpful and very useful. It is necessary. But we also need people like us who are making the world a better place with compassion thoughtfulness listening and t- teaching that to others not just our children but you know others that cross our paths
0: i'm glad you mentioned listening <laughs> i mean listening yeah, is listening. healing
2: it is very much healing you need to everyone needs to be heard it's when we're not heard is when those wounds start to surface when we're not seen, it's when those, the anger, the hurt, the scared comes out.
0: Bryant, thank you. Yes, thank you, Stuart. If you want to know more about Bryant, Resch, Bryant, B-R-Y-A-N-T, resh R-E-S-C-H. R-E-S-S-H. Dot com about the yoga and the Reiki and all the things and I just super appreciate her making time. Now it did get her away from the kids which was probably a plus um, after you know 15 days on the road but now they're back home in the bay uh, Bay Area. Brian, thank you. I super appreciate this. I'm telling other stories uh, and starting to really take off um and my day job my company that i founded and created called Voice Locket and there's going to be a lot more about that super exciting things coming about here in the next month doing some gigs doing some deals going to tell you more about it at Voice Locket thanks for listening guys
1: In Her Words is a production of the Queen City Podcast Network in cooperation with Balto Creative Media. Alison Andrews at Andrews Creative, Rachel Clapp-Miller and Roshonda Pratt are developmental producers. Sally Higgins at Higgins & Owens tries to keep us legal. Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Catherine Smith. That's me. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. And take a moment to rate and review. It really helps others find us. If you love us, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com. Look for Man Listening. One word, no spaces. A small investment makes a big difference in lifting up the voices of women.
0: Thank you guys for supporting In Her Words and Man Listening from the very beginning. I super appreciate you. It means the world.
1: Thank you for your support. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Thanks so much.